Hello and welcome to the Henrietta Christian Fellowship Podcast. The notes for the sermons featured here can be found at our website, henriettacf.org. Also, on Android or iOS mobile devices, you can find them on the Uversion app. Just click on search for live events and enter our zip code, 14543. Without further ado, here's this week's sermon. like we're kind of settled in here, we'll be all right. Okay. All right. Okay. So I warmed you. <laughs> we have so much fun together. <clears throat> it's, I got 20 minutes. We will not get through this this week either. So maybe, you know, do you ever wonder if, if there isn't just times where you think it's a mistake, but maybe God just saying, slow down, take your time, and, uh, you know, because he, he wants to take a little time to actually accomplish these things in your life. You know, so, Father, I pray that, that your word uh, would accomplish uh, that for which you sent it. Uh, Lord, it never returns to you empty. It always comes back having fulfilled uh, your purpose. And so, Father, we pray that your word would accomplish these things in us today. Amen. Okay, now, I'm going to try not to talk fast, but I'm going to try to like, keep moving through the first little, little bit of it because we did talk about this last week, all right? And so I don't want to just, you know, for those that were here last weekend, I don't want to give you just the reruns, okay? But, uh, but you know, we're probably always changing, all right? I mean, I'm getting older. You know, I don't think anybody can avoid that one. You know, I mean, you know, some, I, I, I met a kid who said they were 11 and a half. I said, well, I'm 62 and a half. So anyways, you know, we're no longer trying to hurry up to the next year. Uh, it comes fast enough. But there is a drift. You know, there's a drift. You know, I mean, if you just weren't paying attention and weren't trying to go anywhere, you'd still be changing. Okay? But it's the drift. And there's a drift in the world. All right? And the Word talks about this drift. All right? and, and, and it says this, that uh, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Yeah, yeah. We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. Okay, because there's a drift in the world. Right? I mean, and you can see people, they don't have the truth, and so I mean... Yeah, I got lost in the woods more than once, you know, and, and now you're running around looking at trees trying to find one with the right color X on it or some little symbol that somebody put out in the woods hoping that then when you find one, you've got to find two because you've got to figure out what, where do I go from here? You still don't know, all right? And, you know, and so to understand there's a drift, you know, and if you just go the way that the, the world is going, you know, you're going to drift away from the things you've heard. You're going to drift away from the things that God gave to you as truth to anchor you, as the sets. You know, we talked about the things that, that God is desiring to change, but then the sets, those things that are like, that's the way it's supposed to be. All right? And, uh, you know, when I worked in the optical industry, you know, we had um, this, uh, the, these things that were called setup pieces, and you'd use them to set up your, your, your machines. All right? They were, yeah, they're pretty accurate. All right. But then they had a thing called a master, and if you doubted this thing, you'd test it against the master and it'd tell you if that was right. And eventually you get down to, like, Washington, and they have a thing called a standard. The standard is, is like, per, almost perfect. There's no such thing as perfect in this world other than Jesus, but, you know, but it's as close to perfect as you can get. You know, like they're, 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 the, the possibility of error they're me- measuring in, in things that, you know, you, you can't see them. They're, you know, fringes of light, they used to call them, and I don't even know what that is. But they say, well, it's, it's accurate within two fringes of light, and I'm going... Oh, good. You know, so anyways, but, but there's this drift, right? And God gave to you these, these things that were supposed to be set in your heart. 
Let me tell you that the first set is that Jesus Christ died for your sins. All right? That he, that, he, that, he, that he rose from the dead according to the Scriptures, that he ascended into heaven, and that by grace through faith in him, you're saved. That's the first set you got to get. You don't have that set, nothing else is going to work very good. All right? You know, I remember sometimes working on things, went to, to you know, I'm fixing all this stuff, and then eventually found out that the most expensive part in the middle of the thing was completely destroyed, and so this machine was not worth fixing. And so I'd done all this work, and eh, it was never going to work. All right? You got to get this one right, okay? And if you have any doubts about it this morning, you don't have to walk out the door with the same doubts you came in with, right? Because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, right, He came and He died on that cross for you. And if you've never quite embraced that, I want to encourage you to embrace that this morning because, you know, the, the whole rest of your life, you know, it, it all comes back down to this being the first thing you got to set is that I'm saved by grace through the gift that God gave to me and all, and all he asked of me is to take that faith that he given to me and exercise it, you know, to, in, in order to receive that salvation. All right? So that's the first set, okay? And there's a lot of things that God says to set. What is the set of your mind? And we talked about this in, in Colossians 3, 2, that it says to set your mind or set your affections. The part of your mind that decides what you like and are pursuing, set those things on the things above where, where Christ is seated on the right hand of God, okay? Set. You know, we have authority to set our minds, Okay? All right? So, you know, that, that temptation that just keeps dogging you, all right, you have authority to set your mind against that. All right? You have, you know, if you got, you, you got something where it's like, you know, there's this, this belief that you have. It's a lie that you've embraced, and it's, and it's hindering you, it's holding you back, it's crippling you, and you're saying, oh, you know, I just feel so defeated by this. You have authority to set your mind. And in, in, in line with what God has said, His truth, to set your mind and, and, and for that thing to come down. You know, all right? Uh, you know, all of us have that, that, that basic fear. What is it, you know? Fear of failure, fear of rejection, something, all right? But i got to tell you something. Those things, the, the power of those things in your life are anchored by lies, you know, that say God, God's not there for you. God is there for you. That's a set, all right? And so, you know, to, to just real quickly, you know, every day we're setting and resetting normal for ourselves, all right? Sometimes the drift is taking us farther and farther away from what God says is right, and our normal keeps drifting away from him. All right, so, you know, you don't, you don't want to be in that place. You know, it's that, that moment when you realize that the computer isn't working because the settings are wrong. You know, and so you go back to settings, and you try fixing stuff, and you realize at some point, I don't know what I'm doing, and there's this button that's scary to push, but it basically takes you back to factory settings, and just, you it's okay, you know, and you're going to lose something in the process, more than likely, but it brings you back to a beginning point where you got the right settings and you can start to move forward. All right, so I didn't get any men from the computer guy, so I probably was a little off base there. I don't know. <laughs> so, but no, but we are setting. We set this, this normal for ourselves. All right, God sets a normal. Our, what we're trying to do is get our normal to line up with his normal. You know, what's, what's it supposed to be, you know? You know, this, this stuff that I'm experiencing and calling life, you know, I mean, is, is this the life that God had for me? Am I, am I really where God, am I in the middle of God's will? By the way, comfort is not necessarily a signal that you're in the middle of God's will. All right? Because, you know, we, we are comfort seekers, you know? I mean, look at the commercials, right? You know, the comfortable beds, the comfortable pillows, the comfortable cars, the comfortable clothes. You know what I mean? It's like you know, everything's about, about our own personal comfort. 
Middle of God's will. I remember the first time I fell in the middle of God's will, and it was in a church where uh, the, uh, when, when I uh, did Bible study, they accused me of overemphasizing the Bible. And he says, can you help me understand, how do you overemphasize the Bible in a church? Anyways, but I mean, so I mean, comfort is not necessarily a, a signal that you're in the middle of God's will. I, I remember when he brought me to Teen Challenge, and they were going to pay me $100 a week whether I needed it or not. You know, that was not exactly comforting, having my first child in, in, in I mean, Bible school. Do you know what Sarah got for her first Christmas? A, a package of cloth diapers. Um, and Sue made this little calico set of, um, of, of elephants uh, that, to hang over her, her bread, and she made her a block out of, out of uh, remnants of cloth that we had. Merry Christmas! Now, that was not the first Christmas I had thought about for my first little child, you know. So being in comfort, being in this place where you go, boy, that feels good, you know, does not, is not, generally speaking, a signal that you're in the middle of God's will. Now, I'm not saying go find the most painful place you can, all right? And that's not what I'm suggesting here, but I'm just saying that if there's some discomfort associated with doing the thing that God has given you to do, um, don't run from it. You know, I mean, you seek God for wisdom, you know, and uh, maybe some adjustments, you can make, make things a little more tolerable, but be careful that in the process you don't drift out of God's will. Okay, there's things that we need to change and there's things we need to remain steadfast in. Okay, all right, and so, you know, so I look at all that's going on around us, the American elections and who's running and the choices we have and the reports that I hear. And, um, you know, I, I've kind of given up on the idea that I'm going to find a solution in my brain to what's going on. Okay, I got a good brain, folks. You know, God sent you a good brain. You know, it's like, you know, I got a good brain. 140 IQ and all this kind of great stuff that does you a whole lot of nothing in the kingdom of God because basically all you need is faith in Him. You know, trust, you know, and sometimes intellect wars against trust in God. All right, but, so I mean, if, I, I don't know, I think I might be one of the people who get close to coming up with a solution to this whole thing if there was a solution here that we were going to have. But you know something? There's some that I, I feel quite certain about in the midst of all this. And they ask that God would have our hearts. You know, that come what may, you know, I think back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who are not in the notes, but, you know, okay, you know, we're not careful how we answer you. Our God's able to deliver us, and if not, we're still not going to, you know, yield to your commands to, you know, practice this paganry. And, uh, you know, just this whole thing of that, uh, you know, God would have our hearts, all right, that in the, in the midst of, of, of what we're heading into, God wants your heart. All right, and if God's got your heart, you're going to be all right. All right, and that's just a beginning point here. All right, he wants to have our hearts so that we're his, so that he can use us, so that he can show his heart to people who need to see him that can't see him. And there's lots of them. All right, there's lots of people that God is trying to reach out to. And, you know, we're no longer in a season where good people go to church. All right, there's lots of people just deciding to be good people and just staying home. All right. They're neglecting something that the Word of God tells. Not just the one who says don't neglect the, you know, assembling yourselves together, but Paul speaking to Timothy, who's in the midst of a bunch of pagans, which in, in more increasing measure we're finding ourselves in the midst of a very paganized culture. All right? you know, and he's speaking to Timothy in the midst of all that, and he says, look, give attention you know, to the public declaration of, of the truth. All right? He says, and, uh, you know, and to exhortation all right, and to teaching. He says, that's what he tells him to do. He says, and he goes on to tell him, look, in doing this, all right, you're not just going to save yourself. You're going to save those who hear you. 
All right? And so you have to understand that, you know, I'll talk to people that, you know, that have come and received Christ, and then they get where they come, you know, very seldom, you know, you know make it in. And I'll tell them, look, I, I'm not, like, picking at you. I'm just going to tell you something. You know, you need to be where God can get a hold of your heart, where God can speak these things. You know, and, you know, all the electronic media in the whole wide world, I've got to tell you something, warm body ministry uh, is where God is, go is going to do most of what he's going to do. All right? And, uh, you know, they, you know, Time after time after time. You know, they'll take something that's good for people, record it, and, and send it out, and the recorded version is never going to be uh, as, as powerful as that. One-on-one, -on -one, you know, one of God's people with one of God's people, you know, delivery what, what God gave to you for, for, for the other person. That's, you know, God wants you there, right? And so, you know, our nation's in trouble, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. God is our refuge. He's our strength. He's a very present help in a time of trouble. All right, and we're in a time of trouble, and we need to be seeking the Lord. All right, so no, but here's what I want to say, that, um, you know, sometimes when God helps, you know, don't you love the place in Scripture where God helps, and it's like, all of a sudden the heavens open, the angels come down and just do something. And that's great stuff. Do you know how seldom that is in the Scriptures? All right, more often, more often, when God wanted to help, he took a person, prepared them, and sent them. All right, I mean, the, what did Jesus do? How many angels did he send out to preach the gospel? All right. How many, how many angels did he send to, to go out and heal? Uh, okay. That is, apparently, that is not what Jesus had in mind. Because what he did is he prepared 12 people and sent them out. So one time I was, I was at a church, and they, you know, you have these, these great meetings, and you're supposed to come in with something all written down. You know, and uh, the question was, over the next you know, five years, what is the, the greatest thing that you could do to, to basically help this, this church to thrive. And I said, find 12 people and help them uh, to, to know what I know and minister what I minister. And anyways, and it was like, that's what Jesus did. If, if, you know, I'm not trying to beat Jesus' example. All right? So, but we're his workmanship. So what does that mean? That means that each one of us, we were talking about this in youth group on uh, Friday night, that each one of us, you know, as the body of Christ, each one of us is a piece of Jesus. None of it, not, no one person here, uh, no ten people here is going to completely be able to represent Jesus Christ uh, to, to anybody. All right? But you, you, I'm not so sure. No, you two, you know what I mean? No, I mean, each one of us, you know, and then the question came up, wait a minute. You know, this, a lot of what the Scriptures say about this giftedness does not say that this is, that every person who's saved has a gift. Every person who has faith in, in God has a gift. i got to tell you, I think the gifts were probably there uh, before we got saved. And, the, and those gifts got sanctified. All right? Now, I can tell you something else, though. God gives transformative gifts. Now, I have always been a talker. All right? But the idea of getting up in front of a crowd, which was anything more than five people, was enough to turn me into jello. All right, I, I could not talk to groups of people. You know, one-on-one, -on -one, I would talk your ear off. All right? Um, somebody once called me a conversationalist. I had to go home and find out if that was an insult or a compliment. You know? But there are transformative gifts. There are times that God gives you a gift that is just so completely unlike you that anybody sees it kind of goes like this, and they think, man, what? And they know it's got to be God because you are never that way. All right, these transformative gifts. But we are his workmanship. I'm going to go for the idea he was working on us before we got saved. All right? And so there was things God was constructing in you before you got saved, and then when you got saved, 
the power hits, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit hits, and you go from just being his workmanship, prepared for good works that God foreordained that you would walk in them, to being his witnesses. You know, this is, uh, again, Acts 1.8. You know, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, you're going to receive power, and you're going to be my witnesses. All right, we're his witnesses. We're, we're the people that, that, that speak, uh, you know, for him for what he's done. All right, we're the ones, all right? And we have this gift to use, and, and, and we've, we've gone through the Scripture, but I want to put it in its context a little more clearly this morning. 1 Peter 4, 7 uh, through 11, uh, it says, the end of all things is near. I haven't told you that part, that this whole thing about this giftedness was set at a time when uh, the world around them, the world as they knew it, was about to come to an end. You know, the, the Romans were about to descend upon uh, Jerusalem and destroy it. Okay, and then the Roman Empire was going to be destroyed. And I mean, and the end of all things was, was at hand. I mean, everything that they had known as, as, as the world around them was about to come crashing down around their ears. And so what does he tell them? He says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment. All right? Be sober uh, for the purpose of prayer. Above all things, keep fervent in your love for one another. And this is something I, I want to just make sure that we, we, we grasp here because it just keep coming back to me, coming back to me, coming back to me, is that in the last days, Jesus said that the love of many was going to wax cold, was going to become cold. We are witnessing that. We are witnessing that. We are, you know, when somebody can you know, make a statement of opinion and have death threats, death threats, okay? Uh, people who have done something good and they'll get death threats. Because it wasn't the good thing that somebody else thought they should should do. I mean, how do you get death threats for? I mean, for for like like nothing, all right? Because the love of many is waxing cold, all right. Not everybody's waxing cold, all right. You you, you think about what's going on with the Red Cross down there in, in Louisiana? Wow, but you know, at the core of it, there's a, a lot of God's people that are that are making that happen, all right. Because in the midst of it, all right, we need to keep fervent in our love for one another. And not only in our love for one another, but, you know, that love expressed to somebody that you're not expecting any love back from, that's called witnessing. All right? You want to witness to somebody? You show the love of God to them. You showed Christ's love to somebody with no expectation that you're getting anything back. That's witness. They asked Paul Young Cho, and I've, I share this once in a while because it's a powerful story that was transformative for me. All right? And I, I hope it will become transformative for you after, after I tell you about a hundred times, Okay? My grandfather used to repeat stories. My grandma would say, oh, leave him alone. You already told him that story. I said, no, grandma, you let him tell me that story one more time. You know, because I knew the day would come he wouldn't be there to tell me those stories anymore. And they were stories that, that, that God was using to change me. But this is Paul Young Cho. He's not my grandfather. He's from Korea. And he happens to be the pastor of the largest church in the world. It's like a million people. You know, they got like, their sanctuary is like 80,000 people. And you get to go to church like once a month or whatever, once every three months. I forget what it is. But, you know, it's this massive church. And they asked him one time, and I happened to get a recording of it. If you had to come to America and start over again, what would you do? He said, well, he said, uh, he said I would uh, go find a place where there's much need. Okay, he says, and I would rent an apartment or buy a house, whatever people do there. He said, and I would serve. He said, I would not be too, he gives, his voice gets a little high when he says something. I would not be too quick to, to mention Jesus Christ. He said, but I would serve. He says, maybe someone does not have much food. I would share my food with him. He says, maybe someone's house needs clean. I would clean his house. And one day, he would say to me, Cho, why do you do this to me? And I tell him, it's because I am Christian, and I believe that God loves you, so I love you too. Okay? Now, 
that is a transformative story for me. Okay? Um, even before I was saved, I understood the principle of loving even to the point of putting your life on the line somebody who had been really good to you. That I understood. I understood rewarding people for being good people. I understood that part. But loving people that aren't good people did not make any sense to me at all until I met Jesus. And I understood that this whole relationship began with him loving the unlovable me. He knew everything. He knew the stuff that nobody knows except him. And he loved me. And you know what? On that cross, he served me. He didn't go there for his need. He went there for mine. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. All right, so back to this transformative story about this whole thing that, that, you know, that we're supposed to be, keep fervent in our love for one another in the face of the whole world around us, you know, growing cold. And, and, and just the, you can't make this mistake. You can't make this mistake of living your life as a reaction to what's going on around you. All right? Because the drift, remember the drift? And see, those reactions, you know, read the martyrs. You know, uh, uh, they, uh, just, there's an email that, that went out, uh, you know, advertising a book that, that we have available in, in our library, uh, which is Fox's Christian Martyrs of the World. And, um, and to understand that it's like these people stood in the face of their own mistreatment and death, uh, and, and, and they didn't falter. You know, they, they stood for Jesus and they loved uh, people back. They didn't react to what was happening to them. And it says here, be fervent in your love for one another. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. And this is what I'm going to close with this week. All right. What does that mean? You know, because it's actually said more than once in the Scriptures. And, and in the Scriptures, I believe in different places, it may mean different things. You know, one is, is that, uh, you know, that I love you means I'll forgive you. So it covers a multitude of sins. But I think in this particular case, heading into a time uh, when, when persecution was going to rise, you have to understand something. Fervent love towards other people means that their flaws, you know, the things that are wrong with them, okay, are covered. I, 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 can, I, can, I, can put, I can put them away. I can live with the imperfection of the people around me. I, you know... That, that multitude of things that I could find wrong with them, if I investigate it. And the more deeply I investigate, the more I find. But here's the problem. The measure you're using to measure is the measure that will be used with you. And none of us can stand up to this. Okay, I discovered this just by driving in downtown Rochester. Okay? And, and, what was, in my whole life, okay, I've been driving since I was 17 years old. All right? And as of the age of 61 years old, okay, I had gotten two tickets. All right, two. Count them, two. All right? I drove in downtown Rochester once they installed red light cameras, and I doubled that in one year. Okay? Who can stand up to 100% enforcement? Okay? Jesus, that's, that's where it ends, right? Okay? So please understand something. That perfect person you're hoping to meet does not exist apart from Jesus. Okay? You're stuck with li living with, with all kinds of imperfect people, which is a good thing because you are too. All right? And so this fervent love that I have for others is not just fervent love for the easy ones. It's, it's in very fact, it's probably pointed at fervent love for the difficult ones. You know, that, you know, I, I, and, and this is, I, mean, I am concluding in this point, but, you know, this, this one guy, and he was so painful 
uh, to, to, to relate to because he was just always saying insulting things, always saying things that just hurt. And, um, and anyways, and I prayed, oh, God, you know, please help me. Please help me. Help me. What, what am I supposed to do with this guy? And the Lord said, befriend him. And I said, what? <laughs> Why? Why do I have to befriend this guy? He says, if you won't befriend him, he will never have a friend. So apparently, I found the one. I found the one. I found the butte. You know, I found the one that's like the hey, you know, I mean, the whole universe has been watching this guy because God said, if I don't, if I don't befriend him, nobody ever will. And you know, all those things, you hear that, and you kind of sometimes, a few years later, you think, oh, that was just me. Until the phone call came, and he was in the middle of a crisis, and he said, I needed to call you. You're the only friend I've ever had. Okay? Think about if I, if I would have reacted to his stuff rather than obeying God and being fervent in my love toward him. Okay? And that's how it is. You know, that as we're heading into these difficult times, these challenging times, and the love of many is waxing cold, we're going to be not just loving the unlovable in the sense that they've done so much junk, but we're actually going to be, be loving people that just don't love back. All right? But if they're ever going to see Jesus, you know, God is love. You know, behold what manner of the love the Father has, has given it to us that we should be called as children. You know, and, uh, and so, you know, we're going to move forward with this. You know, we, we prayed for, for deliverance from, from bitterness, but we're going to move on. We're going to move on because there's more. There's more to be set free from. There's anger. Uh, you know, there, there, there's fears. You know, there's, there's, there's uh, you know, slander, you know, and all these things that, that the Bible says in that same context that we studied about bitterness, you know, that, that God desires to set us free from. And so that's, that's where we're, we're heading. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast brought to you every week by Henrietta Christian Fellowship, located at 1085 Middle Road in Rush, New York. If you have a prayer request or a need, we want you to know that we're here for you. Please send us an email at henriettacf at gmail.com. That's henriettacf at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for listening, and God bless.